Welcome to another Griffith University podcast. Good day, everybody. Um, uh, let's start the session. Um, it's my pleasure to welcome you to the first uh, regular uh, research seminar of the Griffith Asia Institute. My name is uh, Chris Worth. I'm a research fellow at GAI, and I'm going to be chairing the series for this semester together with uh, Stephen McLaughlin, um, who's going to replace me at times when I'm not, when I'm not here. We're very happy today to have David Check as a presenter. Um, most of you will know him much better than me. He's a adjunct associate professor at the International School of Business and Asian Studies, and he's also a member of GAI. By training, he's an anthropologist, and he's uh, written extensively on China and Taiwan, um, various topics. Um, two of the most recent journal articles discuss um, Chinese family businesses um, in view of research literature. Um, he, David also published another article on educational modernization across the Taiwan Straits, um, the pedagogical inf transformation in primary school moral education textbooks. These are quite um, topical. I think even if we look at the politics, especially international politics, and I just uh, said to David, it's kind of interesting because we see a lot of debate on Japanese history textbooks, uh, but at least in the literature I'm looking at, there's not so much debate about Chinese textbooks. There seems to be quite general assumptions about propaganda, and that's where it stops. So I'm very much um, looking forward to today's talk. Um, the title is uh, Learning to be Chinese, Nationalism, Identity, and Character, Longitudinal, uh, Longitudinal Examination of Primary School Moral Education Textbooks in China. Um, Dave is going to talk about 40 minutes, 45 minutes, and then we have, as usual, time for Q&A and discussion. Thank you very much. Thank you, thank you, Chris. Uh, one reason why the, uh, nobody, you don't hear too much about Chinese textbooks is that uh, the Japanese don't complain about them. Uh, they should, but where would you start? Uh, there would be far more complaints about them in terms of the way they depict things. In the 1980s, China began its, its uh, reform and opening and up period. And this uh, allowed the economy to, to grow very rapidly. But it also created uh, a good deal of dislocation as people left, <coughs> left the countryside, went into the cities, were employed in, in companies that were very, very different from, the, from Chinese companies that had employed them before. Uh, a lot of the growth at that time was in first in Hong Kong companies and then in, in, in Taiwan companies <coughs> in the area around Hong, around uh, Guangzhou. And this created, uh, over the 1980s, it created what they called the, the three belief crises. Uh, and these were crises in, in faith in socialism, in the party, and in party ideology. And then in 18, 1989 to 1990, you have the Tiananmen incident. And it, it, not long after that, the collapse of the Soviet Union and the breaking, the breaking up of, of Euro-communism. The Chinese responded to this with what they called the Patriotic Education Campaign. Um, and so they were going to try to revitalize their, their, their own legitimacy and reunite people and so on based on, uh, based on patriotic education. They realized that the old ideology, the, the, the basically Marxism, Leninism, Mao Zedong thought, and so on, ideology no longer appealed to people. And so in order to, uh, in a sense, get back the allegiance of people, they had to go to nationalism. 
And so they revised the textbooks to revitalize this. And in, in doing so, they replaced what was a, had been a victor narrative in the previous textbooks. In other words, that you know, the, the Communist Party had won, and here we are, and over and over again, without the Communist Party, there would be no new China, and so on. They replaced this with a victimization uh, narrative, which I'll get into as we go through. Uh, they, the, this paper is based on two sets of texts. Originally, I, I, I looked at four sets, two sets from Taiwan and two sets from China. Uh, and I've used the, the, the four-set comparison for other, other, other work I'm doing. But nationalism and learning to be Chinese was much more found in the, Chi in the, in the China te text rather than the, the Taiwan text. Both sets of texts, one from 1988 and one from 2011, are from Renmin Press, uh, the People's Press. And this is one of the two most commonly used sets of textbooks throughout China. There is another a special set for that's been done for urban areas and another one aimed at rural areas, but the Renmin and the one from uh, Beijing Normal University are ones that are that are are, are more general. Uh, and the text, we the, the, is, the lessons are essentially the same. There may be different stories in them and so on, but they all have to fo to follow the uh, Ministry of Education guidelines and so on. So there's really not much difference in in terms of the text. And in the paper, I'll look, I, I, I looked at for things such as how is, how is nationalism uh, an, an ideology? How are they taught? How do individuals fit into the nation and society? And what is the, what is the nation? How do we think of China? Do we think of it uh, as a weak place? Do we think of it as a strong place? Do we think of it as, a, as a, an area where we come from? Do we think of it as a whole nation? And so on. And what I'll show is that there are some changes that have taken place from this uh, patriotic education campaign, but other sorts of changes have taken uh, have, have come about simply because of the 13-year uh, gap between these two sets of texts and the kind of changes in economic, social development, and so on that took place in this period of time. Another difference in the text uh, is in the changes in pedagogy, huge changes in pedagogy, going from a, a very much teacher-centered set of texts. I've uh, got some texts that I'm uh, passing around you can take a look at. Uh, you can pretty well guess which is the new one, which is the old one. In case, just in case, the little one is the old, is the old set of texts. The, the new one is, the, is the, modern, the more modern set. The modern set, the old set was the teacher, I'm the teacher, I, I, I talk, you listen. The new set, in the first, first lesson, first grade, the first thing that happens is the teacher says to the students, or the text says to the students, you're in primary school now. How do you feel about that? In other words, they're asking students their own opinions. They, they have the right to say things. They have the right to think about things. And there are, throughout this, there are a number of uh, research projects. There's a thing called, they, they say, if you want to look at something, oh, put on your little reporter hats and go, go look at this. Go, go look at the history of the school. Go look at, at, uh, at what happens uh, during the different seasons and so on. So the, there's a lot where the students are asked to do things much more on their own uh, than they would have been in the old set of texts. And another big difference is that in models, Chinese education has used models going back to at least the time of Confucius. And a lot of times these models were models that were completely, utterly ridiculous, uh, the, the things that, pe that they say that people did. But these are supposed to be object lessons for people in, in helping them to learn. In the old set of texts, the, the, the models are generally political models. They're the leaders. 
Uh, for example, uh, Mao Zedong, who comes late to the theater, and somebody wants to give him a seat in the front row, and he says, no, 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 I came late, I'll sit at the back. Uh, or Zhou Enlai, who refused to uh, jump the queue to get a haircut. These sorts of things. Uh, or how he gives up his seat on a bus for somebody, you know. So, but, so they're the, but they're political leaders, they're doing good things, but they're political leaders. And then, of course, there are the Lei Fengs and the other kinds of... of uh, of, of heroes, communist heroes that are supposed to be object lessons. In the new set of texts, if there are any uh, uh, object lessons at all, they come from basically from peers. So it's much more, children don't have to identify with these very distant adults, they can identify with people just like themselves. Um, and this, you see this coming through very quickly, very, very clearly in the text. We're looking at identity. What I'm looking at here is, is in a sense, native place identity versus a national identity. Uh, in Chinese, there's a term jiaxiang, uh, or laojia, which means your, your native place, the place you come from. And this was a basic part of identity of people in China, including up to the modern period. So you'll see somebody's name, and maybe the year they were born, and what county they were from. And that's where your ancestors are buried, and that, in a sense, that's where you belong. In, and this is, this is very strongly found in the, in the old set of texts. Uh, the old set of texts essentially creates an identity in a set of concentric circles, from the family, of course people identify with their family, to the school class. In China, children in, in primary school, you, you, you're put into a class with other students in grade one, and you will stay with these stu the same set of students all the way through primary school. So you're supposed to build up a strong identity with these people, you compete against other, other, other similar classes, so class A in grade one, class B in grade one, and so on, will compete with each other. And they say you, you, you build up identity. And also this teaches that the strength, of the, the strength of a unified group is stronger than the individuals who make it up. The texts say school is where you study, but also where you live, play, grow, and mature. Each school has, its, has a culture, a history, Belong to your school. Know its history and culture, the accomplishments of its students. Be proud of it. Write about it. Young pioneers all pitch in to clean up the schoolyard wearing their red scarves and army fatigues. The young pioneers were a, a group that was started in grade two. Students become red pi young pioneers, and they, all, they had a little red kerchief around their necks. And that was their young pioneer thing. And it was, it was a really in many ways sort of a Boy Scout or a Cub Scout Girl Guide sort of organization. It was supposed to be, I think the political leadership saw it as something else, but in practicality it, it, it really wasn't. The, the first uh, text in the, in the old set says, has a pitch, it's, I love my schoolmates and will assist them. Uh, and there are pictures of students helping each other do various sorts of things, cooperating with each other. Uh, and a story about one student, a fat student, and his fellow students come in the morning early and eat, take turns helping him uh, to get in shape so that he can pass his physical, his physical education examination. Uh, so you see this kind of uh, community that builds up. Then, of course, it's the school itself, the neighborhood and the community. The neighborhood and the community are filled with, uh, with uncles and aunties, grandmas and grandpas, people called by their kinship terms, who all help each other do neighborly things uh, with, for each other, and so on. And so you get this kind of learning about the native place and who is there and, and, and being a part of it and so on. Uh, and it's kind of a Blutenboden 
sort of, uh, sort of a view of, of, of identity. It doesn't very often go beyond that to the whole nation. In the new set of texts, the present set of texts, the native place is still studied, but more as a geography lesson. Okay, learn about this place. You know, what does it produce? Uh, what are the custom, it's customs that it has which are unique or its products? Uh, does it have a, its own dialect, uh, its own folk songs, traditions, and things like this? But you learn about it more as, you're, as a, something you're studying rather than something to which you're very emotively uh, involved with. And they, they, they all, the texts also go on to say, well, learn about wh what place borders your, your native place. What about your province? What do, they, what do they produce? Learn about the license plates on cars and what provinces that they represent, because each uh, one will have a character on it, which is the ancient name for the, for the various provinces. And so, in a sense, it broadens from the native place out to the entire nation. And so the nation then replace, it replaces the native place as a focus in the new text. Looking at labor, production, and consumption, of course, with Marxism, Marxism is very materially oriented. Production is very important. Uh, the importance of work, the importance of workers. Both sets of texts have uh, uh, talk about the they, they identify uh, various workers and so on and what they do and what they contribute. Mainly manual workers. A few people who are not, but mainly mainly manual workers, uh, janitors cooks, mechanics, bus drivers, uh, and so on. And the early text, the early set of texts also strongly emphasizes the people who produce the goods and the others and, and other people consume these goods and how valuable these sorts of goods are. There are lessons uh, on the, the turning of wheat into steam bread and cotton into cloth. Wheat sprouts are nurtured by the farmer's sweat. Each grain is a result of effort, so don't thoughtlessly throw any away. If all billion people save one grain a day, it would be enough to feed 1,000 children for a year. Children should not be picky, nor should they waste uh, water or power uh, by leaving lights on or letting faucets drip. Uh, there's a story of a boy who had spent his morning drawing horses, and somebody spills water on his drawings. And he gets very upset, but his father comes in and says, well, just, you know, just draw them again. Oh, but I don't have any pencils. And father looks on the floor and sees some half-finished pencils down there, down on the floor. And he says, do you know how these pencils were made? Yes, by worker uncles. You were upset when your labor was not treasured, said the father. But by not using up the pencils, you are not treasuring the labor of others. Um, and... There's an emphasis also on, on public property, uh, that people should preserve public property. Students should uh, be careful on the chairs that they sit on and the desks and so on, uh, that they should use school supplies uh, it, uh, as frugally as they can, uh, that when they go to a park, they shouldn't walk on the grass, they shouldn't pick the flowers, these sorts of things. And it is wrong, it is also wrong to, uh, in, uh, to uh, shoot out uh, street lights with slingshots playing in public lifts, using slugs in public telephones, or taking the light bulbs and clothing hooks from public toilets. If you've ever been to China and wonder why there's no toilet paper in the, in the public toilets, this is why, because somebody would nick it as soon as it was there. And this a story of a lumber mill worker illustrates this problem. Little Wong sees another worker and his son taking a log from the lumber yard to use at home. He tries to stop them, but 
illustrating a common attitude toward taking public goods for private use, the man says to Wong, it isn't yours, so mind your own business. They take the log, and Wong reports them the next day. And the man has to return the log, but he takes revenge by cutting down Wong's saplings. But of course, justice prevails, and the man is jailed for five days and has to, has to, uh, to compensate Wong. Again, this, this attitude of you know, that all this is public goods under communism, but public goods means it doesn't belong to anybody, so if I want it, I can take it. Very common attitude. In the new set of texts, we also have the idea of valuing workers' labor. And in fact, the little, the little reporters are they're even asked to go out and go and interview some people who are workers and find out what contributions they make uh, to us and write this up and find somebody and write them a thank you card for what they've done, uh, for what they do for the public. But it doesn't go into it nearly as emotively as the, as the early set does. And there's also a, part of, of a unit on consumerism where to buy particular goods, how to, do, how to do online shopping, how to read labels, what the labels say, how to be a smart consumer, and how to contact the, the consumer hotline, which is in the textbook, if uh, you feel you're dissatisfied. So again, you know, we have this very different, going from a, a, a society of scarcity, in a sense, to a society of plenty, where people don't worry about the, being frugal so much. Regime and regime symbols. National Day comes in October 1st, and this is not long after the semester starts. And so in the first unit, or the, in the first uh, text of, the, of grade one, there's a, a unit on National Day. And things are featured such as National Day itself, the flag, the emblem, the anthem, with uh, words and sheet music to the anthem, uh, the young pioneers, the People's Liberation Army, a map of China showing the nine-dash line, of course, uh, and various sorts of national heroes. And you have the sim similar kinds of symbols, but there's a big difference in tone and extent of coverage. In the old set, the, the, these, these symbols get much for, uh, fuller co uh, coverage, and there's a very strong state focus. There are a, lot, a number of lessons also that, that in, the old, in the old set that there are no comparable lessons in the new set. There's, there's, uh, there's a lesson on holidays, and the holidays are divided into the glorious holidays and the ordinary holidays. The glorious holidays are all regime-centered. International Children's Day, the birthday of the People's Liberation Army, of the Communist Party, National Day, and International Labor Day. The other ordinary holidays are the traditional holidays. But one, and since Shanding is here, he's going back to China soon to, uh, to sweep the ancestors' graves. In the, in the, in the, in the old set of texts, Qingming, which is the holiday on which this is done, is left out of the traditional holidays. It's not listed, probably because it's superstitious. So it was, it was, it was left out. There's a lesson on, on the flag. Sing the song to the teacher. I love the motherland. I love the great wall, the flower, the rivers, mother and father, the five-star flag, my teachers and schoolmates, the white crane. Do you want to know what I love most? I love the red scarf. This is the the uh, young pioneer's red scarf. In a word, I love my dear motherland. Um, there's a word in Chinese, Roma, which means something which gives you goosebumps because it's very, it's very emotive. Uh, it's a sort of an, a, a dedication with awe uh, and almost a sacralization of, 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 of things. And in Chinese, this is basically refer this basically refers to China, 
or the regime is trying to make it uh, refer to the regime as well. There's another little story. It is early morning. Grandpa takes me to Tiananmen Square. I see the military police uncles protecting the flag. We arrive just as the sun and the five-star flag are rising. Look, those white-haired old men and, and women, those spirited uncles and aunties, those red-scarfed young pioneers, they're all here for the flag-raising ceremony. Ah, five-star flag, all the people fervently love you. Lessons in both on the People's Liberation Army, again, in the earlier set, more emotive, in the, in the latter set, more, in a sense, narrative. Uh, yes, they work hard for us and so on. They do all kinds of things, but it, not, it isn't nearly as, emo as, as emotional as the other. I mentioned the, the, uh, the exemplary individuals uh, and so on. In the early, in the early set of texts, these are mainly political figures or martyrs, or there were some uh, people who, who fought for China against imperialism. These are individuals who did things. I'll, I'll, I'll talk about them a bit more in, in a few minutes, but uh, these are the main kinds of, of, of heroes. A little on political figures in the, in, the, in the new set. I mean, in the National Day, there are pictures of Mao Zedong and a few other people, but, and, and there's a picture of Mao during the, when it talks about the founding of the party and the, and the, and the uh, success in 1949, but no text on it, very little text. Lei Feng, there are two stories about Lei Feng, Lei Feng is, is he's this, I think, made-up hero. He was a soldier who, uh, he died in, a, in, a, in an accident, and a year later his, his diary was found, and it was found out how utterly dedicated he was to serving the people and so on. It's very convenient to have a dead hero because you can't see whether what he did is real or not. Uh, and, you know, Lei Feng did all kinds of things. Lei Feng is mentioned in the second set, but that's it. Just the, the name, of the, mention the name, that's all. Whereas there are two stories about him, the full stories about him in the earlier set. Uh, I mentioned that uh, the new set, the, the behavior models are, the, are, are, are peers, uh, other young students. A lesson on China's humiliation. There's a big lesson on this in the second set in the grade six unit, or in, the, in, the, in, the, in the new set of the grade six text. And I mentioned this is where you're going from this, this victimhood, or, or going from, from, uh, from victory to victimhood. And, uh, but the, the narrative starts off with victimhood, but then ends more or less in triumph. The earliest, there's a very long unit. There are four big, large lessons in it. The first, the unbending Chinese covers the opium wars, the, from the opium wars all the way through uh, to the Sino-Japanese War of the, the late 19th century. Uh, the Nanjing Massacre, World War II, and to the, uh, the victory. And uh, there's some, some, there's some, some uh, a passage in that's fairly emotive about how uh, this, this very famous author, Winnie Duell, comparing territories taken from China to children being snatched from their mother's arms. Um, and there's a cartoon showing China being, being uh, attacked by various powers. But for the most part, the emotions that this, that this second set raises here are resentment and anger of the sort uh, to produce a them versus us nationalism. After this, there's a, a lesson uh, which takes a more positive turn. Rise up, you who will not be slaves. And this narrates China's resistance, beginning with Lin Zixu, who was the, the, the person who tried to stop the British from importing opium. Uh, 
to a battle in which the peasants supposedly stopped the British from, in, from uh, entering Guangzhou during the Opium War, to an Admiral Deng Shichang, Deng Shichang who was a, a, an admiral in the, in the First China-Japanese War, uh, who fought the Japanese, but unfortunately he and his uh, shipmates ended up in Davy Jones' locker. Uh, they lost quite badly, but at least he tried. And uh, going through uh, the first unit sent, uh, first students sent abroad to, to learn from the West, attempted reforms of the 1890s, the 1911 revolution, the May 4th movement, the resistance against Japan, and then the text, text asks, how do you feel? Visit older people to understand the conditions of the motherland and, and, and listen to their, uh, their bitter experiences and learn to sing songs of resistance. Uh, these two units are followed by two much more positive ones. First, the soaring uh, mainland, the, the soaring motherland, describes about how China has gone from being the sick man of Asia to triumphs in athletics and diplomacy, increasing the prosperity and scientific achievement and development and escaping poverty. And the last is called Wander the Earth, how Chinese now are going out as tourists, they're going out as students, they're going all over, they're seeing uh, the wonders of the world, different cultures, different societies, and they're seeing how China is so much better off than a lot of countries. Not all countries, but certainly by, of a lot of countries. <clears throat> Although the 1988 uh, text, or the, the early set, expressed condescension toward China as pathetic and inept uh, by uh, but it does show that individual Chinese uh, did tr uh, make contributions by their own, uh, by their, own uh, uh, their own efforts. There's a story about Sun Yat-sen um, in, in 1913, uh, preventing a ship, a, a, a British ship, from, dis uh, from uh, selling its opium into China, and the the locals confiscate the opium. And the ship then confronts them with its guns trained toward the city uh, and demands that the opium be returned and that the Taiku company be apologized to. But Sun Yat-sen stands up unbowed and he, they douse the opium with petrol and they set it alight. Uh, and uh, the text says, inspired by this act of courage, the Anqing, this is the place, the Anqing people stood back, stood back of Sun Yat-sen unbowed by the threat of guns of the British ship. The British, seeing this, skulked away like homeless dogs with tails between their legs. <clears throat> There's stories about uh, a, a famous artist, Xu Beihong, who goes to Paris to learn in the 1920s. At first, no one will take him in because no one from China could be worth anything. After all, China is such a poor, you know, dilapidated country. And finally, someone takes him in and he becomes a, a certainly very well-renowned office uh, uh, artist in China and quite well-known in the world. You look him up on, on Wikipedia, there's quite a, a nice spread on him in there. Uh, Gu Maolin, who lived near a railway station as he was growing up, and he noticed that none of the locomotives were China-made. This was in the 1930s. And he vows that he's going to do something about that. So he studies hard, and when the new government comes in, he's given the commission to build a locomotive, and in 1952, he succeeds. So there are individual people who are doing things to show that Chinese are, are, are intelligent, Chinese are resourceful, Chinese can, do, can, can accomplish uh, great things, and so on. Second set of texts talks about far more in terms of accomplishments. It talks about 
uh, the diplomatic uh, uh, breakthroughs that have been made, being recognized by, by, by Western powers, being in the United Nations, getting the, the Olympics, getting into World Trade Organization, uh, all sorts of other sorts of things, uh, getting World Expo, and so on. And so it, it, China, in the, in the second set, China has arrived. You know, we're there now, we're, they don't say great power, but, but you certainly get this feeling that they feel that, they're, that they have arrived. But you know, there's, still, there's still room for resentment against uh, people who've done bad things to us. I think a lot of this has to do with the, the difference between the, the conditions of society between the 1980s and, and, and 2000, 2007, 2011. The, text, the edition is 2007, but the texts were being used in 2011. And there may have been slight changes, but very much the same. So there's a, there's a gap in, during which time China developed at an incredible pace. And um, you know, it's now over 50% urban. Uh, it's now got a, a middle class, an economic middle class of somewhere between 100 and 200 million. Uh, so it's just a very different place. The scope of the nation. Nationalism, generally speaking, is built up on, a, on, a, on the basis of, uh, of, of, a, of a single ethnicity. China, of course, is a complex society. It's made up of 56 different ethnicities. But they're united as they call it a Chinese ethnicity, a Zhonghua Minzu. Minzu is an ethnicity. Uh, and I mean, in terms of the way anthropologists would see this, this makes absolutely no sense at all. Uh, but this is something that the Chinese government is trying to push, that we are all united as Chinese. Uh, both sets emphasize inclusiveness, that they're all Chinese. They encourage people to learn about minorities. Uh, in the old set, there's a story of Zhou Enlai going down to the Dai people in, uh, in southern, southern Yunnan and participating in the water festival that they have there, similar sort of thing in Thailand, the same, same ethnic group. And that people should uh, learn about the minorities, they should, they should uh, appreciate their cultures, appreciate their cuisines, and so on. And everybody in, uh, in China is, 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 is about bringing things together uh, the texts tell the students to go out and, and find, find out how the, the people in the different ethnicities have all fought for the motherland. They've all fought foreigners for the motherland. Um, and therefore, they're, you know, they're all Chinese. I mean, the, the, the reality in China, as we've seen in the last couple of weeks from the, the incident in Kunming, is, is quite the opposite of this. The, the minorities are very much looked down upon, but this is what the, 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 the official government line. In terms of Taiwan, Taiwan, of course, um, has been a part of China since time immemorial. In the second set, uh, there's, a, there's a, a piece about how Taiwan was once actually part of the mainland, but the movement of tectonic plates means it was separated somehow. And so this is, you know, this is our sacred territory which we must, must recover. And there are stories about how uh, Chinese were sent there uh, 16, 1700 years ago. Uh, to my knowledge, there's no evidence of that at all. A lot of these kinds of stories. Emphasis on Chinese, Chinese on, in Taiwan and China being of the same flesh and blood. Uh, emotive stories about people aching to be aching for reunification. The, the and, and and a story about uh, about a young girl, 12 years old, in Taipei. And she and her father go back to visit his relatives in Beijing. And she goes there to Beijing and she finds out what a wonderful, beautiful place Beijing is, how good the food is, 
how nice the police are. And they decide to stay. And she then writes a letter to her mother, hoping that her mother will decide to join them. And I think we'd call that international kidnapping, wouldn't we? <laughs> but, you know, it's perfectly justified. Okay, to sort of summarize, the political education campaign did change what it was to be Chinese. It changed it from a sort of a primeval patriotism and being ideologically correct to being determinedly nationalistic. And as I've said throughout the, the, the presentation, I, the change, I think, is in keeping with the new social conditions. Migration has diminished native place, uh, native place sentiments. Most people are leaving their native places. They won't return. In the 1980s and early 90s, workers, when they would go to the coast, would go there for three or four years. There were really no provisions to allow them to stay much longer. Uh, I, was, I was doing my research on Taiwanese businesses. Some of the businesses were putting in special dorms, which they called duck and drake rooms, for, in other words, for a, a couple to be able to stay in a, in a room by, uh, of their own because they couldn't, the, the workers could not possibly afford housing uh, in, the, in the cities where they were working. Now, of course, migration is, is huge and the government is actually encouraging. And they're saying there would be another, it's, China's now over 50% urban, they're saying there could be another 300 million people moving into the cities. And they want this because they think that it's going to boost consumer, uh, consumer spending, which will boost the economy. Material goods are no longer scarce, so we don't. We we should appreciate material goods, but we shouldn't and we and we shouldn't waste them. But it's not something that we have to be saving every every cent for. Last time I in China when I was there last year, actually on, on restaurant tables, uh, there are little little stickers urging people not to order more food than they need. So in other words, you know, don't don't feel because you're inviting your friend you have to have, you have to have twice as much food as they'll eat. Be sensible in, in what you order, but that's the only sort of thing I see on this on, the, on, 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 on being frugal. Models are peers rather than, than than political models or adult models, and students in the new in the new set are still are regarded as children rather than miniature adults. The holiday or the the holy days the the national day holy day so to speak has now been changed to a holiday. The emphasis in the, in the first set is, that, uh, is, is all on the political symbols. On the second, in the second set, it's on uh, all the activities there are for children, the beautiful flower displays, children there drawing pictures, and, and, and just having a good time, sort of a, a, a holiday out uh, in the park. And the appeals in the, go from the very emotional appeals in the first set to a much more cosmopolitan uh, approach to nationalism in the second set. The second set, there, I think love is used only only once, it, and that is in a unit title, whereas in the, in the first set, uh, people love the motherland, the PLA, the red scarf, the flag, the home area, and Beijing, uh, and the symbols, the, the political symbols of Beijing, such as Zhongnanhai and Tiananmen Square, and so on. So, uh, I'm happy to take comments and questions. Thank you. For more Griffith University podcasts, go to www.griffith.edu.au forward slash podcasts.